Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. It's really nice outside. And the Penguins are winning. Kind of feels like June. Well, I guess not really. But the way the Penguins are playing, it does. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. It is the final show for Randy Slack. No Bud Light Happy Hour. I'm in studio, so Randy will mosey his ass on up here for the 6 to 7 hour. But it's going to be a party before that. Because I got Ben Z, the official vampire of the Crowley Show, coming up at 420. I got Matt Williamson at 5. I got Rob Rossi at 520. That's right, we're stacking guests today. Is that because I didn't put in any work? I don't know, you tell me. Major League Baseball is coming after the Buckos, baby. And before you get too full of yourselves, it's not because you signed a damn petition. Nobody gives a rip about your stinking petition. That ain't what happened here. What happened here is the MLB Players Union is looking at a stagnated free agent market, and they're thinking, why the hell's nobody getting paid? Usually these guys fly off the shelves. Ain't happening this year. And the Pirates, they ain't ever signing anyone. So the players' union's thinking, eh, this revenue-sharing thing, it's supposed to help the small market teams pull some dudes off the shelf. Instead, Bob Nutting, Frank Coonley, Neil Huntington, they're all profiting, mainly Huntington, never mind, mainly Nutting, And this is all money that was supposed to be earmarked for the players. That's what did it. Not the damn petition. How many people signed that thing? Thousands? You know, Joe, you got the number for me? Not the exact number, but I remember seeing uh, a tweet around like 40, 41,000. And the joke was like, this is the only time in the 2008 season, 2018 season, pardon me, that 40,000 Pirate fans will gather in the same place, and it was hilarious. It's okay, you didn't misspeak, because in 2008, I'm guessing that 40,000 people didn't show up to one game either. That's not what did it, people, but I admire the passion. I do wonder how many of those 40,000 names that are on that list will go to a Pirate game this year. I ain't not happening. I can't wait for the great Pittsburgh sports debate. I don't know when that is but it's coming up sometime soon. We usually do it in February, and one or multiple of the panel will get incredibly drunk. I'm already thinking of what I should wear. Indians jersey, Indians cap. Toga. Toga. For the emperor of sports radio. You know what? That's pretty good. And you know what? Now that I think about it, my snowflakes out there, all you people who... For whatever reason, listen to the Crowley Show every day. You should all come dressed in white. All white. Stand in a section kind of like a student section. And let's make Mark Madden and Stan Saverin and Mike Pursuit all feel the wrath of Adam Crowley. Tim Benz is usually there, too. 
I'm guessing Dayan Kovacevic will not be invited. See ya. MLB coming after the Pirates is a welcome sight for me. It's a welcome sight for a lot of people around Pittsburgh, people who are fans of the Pirates but not a fan of Bob Nutting. Because the fact that they're investigating means that there's some actual smoke to the fire that's been burning for so damn long. It means that Major League Baseball feels like there's something fishy going on there. It means that Major League Baseball wants to see baseball be successful in every market that they've rooted down in. I'm surprised that they've done this inquiry on the Marlins now. They just got new ownership. Yeah, I realize they're trading players left and right, including Christian Yelich, which we will get to in a second, I assure you. Did they not do this before with the old ownership group? I understand why they're doing it with this one, but they probably should have done this before. And they probably should have done this for the Pirates a long time ago. Oh, well, though. At least they're doing it. If you screw up, and then you screw up again, and you screw up again, and you screw up again, and you screw up again, that sucks. But if you get it right one of the times, at least you got it right that time. And at least Major League Baseball is looking into the fact that Bob Nutting is a crook, a thief. Perfect guy to own the Pirates because of the Pirates pillaging. They steal things and all that. But this really does boil down to the players' union being pissed that the owner has money coming in from the revenue sharing that's not going to players. I am surprised, though, because all Major League Baseball needs to do is ask Bob Nutting and Neil Huntington and Frank Coonley, and they'll tell them, we're trying to win this year. We're trying to compete in 2018. That's all it takes for some Pirate fans to go out to PNC Park, right? Well, we're, we're actually going to try to win this year. Oh, okay. When bobblehead night? When are you shooting fireworks out of your ass? I'd love to see that. Bob Nutting bent over, fireworks just shooting out of his ass left and right. New Pirate generation. Everybody shout. The Brewers went out and spent some money. How about that? The Brewers. Eh, Milwaukee, a smaller market. Eh, Milwaukee, a tiny time compared to Pittsburgh. I knew the answer to my own question, and that is yes. Also, Brian, I apologize because I just let one slip in here and it reeks. The Brewers yesterday traded their top prospect for Christian Yelich. Oh my God, the Pirates must be just having aneurysms thinking about this. How? What's going to happen three years from now? What are you going to do five years from now? Oh my God, your window's only going to be a couple of years. What's going to happen? They then spent $80 million on Lorenzo Kane, who's good, not great, and they're probably going to regret the contract in three years, but guess what? They have a shot to win for these next couple. He's 31 years old. By the time it's over, he'll be 36. They will regret the money side of things, but it could bring them playoff appearances, and then who knows beyond that? Joe's shaking his head no. Why, do you, why would you want that? No way. No way! It is such a foreign concept around here, though, isn't it? They went out and they added two outfielders to a team that won 86 games last year. When the Pirates won 98 games, they slashed payroll. And then they wound up winning 86 games. 
The Pirates went backwards. The Brewers, they're trying to move forward. And their owner, a couple of years ago, penned a letter to the fan base and said, we're going to do something special here. Not unlike when we've heard Pirates Brass say, oh, when people show up, as long as we're good, we will spend. We will do whatever we can to get the team over the hill. Here's the difference. The Pirates, they rarely follow through, if ever. The Brewers, two years, 86 wins, and then we'll see. There's something about we'll see, though, isn't there? There is something about let's take a freaking shot. I might swear, Joe B. Be ready on the dump button. Get that beep ready. There's something about that, isn't there? To tell your fan base, you know what? We were a year early last year. Let's make sure that we build off of it. See, the Pirates, what they would have done is they would have said, oh, these young players who played so well for us, they were a little ahead of schedule. They're going to get even better this year. So the Pirates would have sold all of us the BS that the improvement in the ball club would come from within and that these players would all grow into their primes and all of a sudden they'd really push for that division championship. Milwaukee, they think, maybe that will happen. But in case it doesn't, oh, here's two possible all-star outfielders. Lorenzo Cain's already been to a World Series. Already won one. Christian Yelich never made an All-Star game, but over the last four seasons, he's got the... I'm wrong. Over the last two seasons, he's got the fourth highest batting average among outfielders in Major League Baseball. And it's just $80 million. But the great thing is, it's $80 million, and it's a top prospect for Yelich. And consider this now. Ryan Braun, that jackhole, he's their third best outfielder. Do you remember when the Pirates brass told us that in a couple of years we're going to have the best outfield in Major League Baseball and they had Sterling Marte and they had Andrew McCutcheon and Gregory Polanco and (sighs) that never materialized. I saw Tim Williams of Pirates Prospects. He... Likes to think of himself as a nuanced man, a thinker, and he is, and he does a really good job. And if you're into prospects, check out his site. But he said that the Pirates had a great run from 2013 to 2015, and if they were in any other division in baseball, they'd have won the division. But here's the deal, they weren't. And he gave a lot of credit to that brass, but four of the five players who were the best on those teams weren't even brought in by that this management group. Neil Huntington had nothing to do with Andrew McCutcheon. He didn't have anything to do with Pedro Alvarez, who was hitting bombs back then. This group gets the benefit of the doubt, and they absolutely do not deserve to get the benefit of the doubt. Ever. Ever. Milwaukee says, let's give it a shot. Let's throw some darts at the dartboard. Meanwhile, the Pirates, they're in the corner, and they're just collecting darts. Collecting darts, collecting darts, collecting darts. They never want to throw the damn thing, but they're collecting them. It's so strikingly bizarre to be a fan in this city and see a team, not too far from here, trade a top prospect. It's foreign. It doesn't happen here. It never happens here. It just doesn't. They spent money and spent Player equity. I mean, a top prospect's as good as cash. 
the number one prospect in their system, they put that guy out there in the market, Christian Yelich comes in. That's a team that cares. And Tim Williams went on to say that the Brewers' payroll a couple of years ago was $63 million and they've now built it up to where it's still not as high as the Pirates is now. And I'm supposed to think that that's a defense of the Pirates? Spend your money better! <laughs> I mean, g- give me a freaking break! Every defense that these people want to throw out there, kind of like the darts that Milwaukee's now chucking, you can look at and say, is that really in your pro column? Because I'm looking at that like it's a con. Because the Pirates are cons. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm aggravated. I really am. This is not the first time that Milwaukee's tried to push themselves over the end, over the edge. They went out, they got CC Sabathia before. They got Cliff Lee. They attempted to win when they had opportunities. And the Pirates, yeah, you can look back to 2013 and you can say, okay, they added a couple of pieces there. They added Marlon Bird. They added Justin Morneau. That's true. They added Aramis Ramirez, I think it was, the next year. Great. But to me, the biggest failure that this organization has had over the last handful of years is when they won 98 games, instead of adding a piece, they subtracted Neil Walker for a guy who was awful. It's unforgivable. Stop giving the Pirates credit for a three-year span whenever the people who started to build that foundation don't get the credit. Dave Littlefield didn't get any of that credit, but he brought in Andrew McCutcheon. He brought in Pedro Alvarez. But Neil Huntington can't do anything wrong to some. People always want to blame Bob Nutting, and he deserves most of the blame. But Huntington deserves a lot of blame, too, because I thought he was great. He's just a guy. Frank Coonley's just a freaking puppet. And the Pirates used to have advantages. They thought better than other teams. They were sabermetrically oriented before anybody else really was. Well, now the whole damn major leagues shifts. Everyone wants to try to use ground ball pitchers. The Pirates don't have that advantage anymore. So, yeah, they were avant-garde. They were cutting edge at the beginning. But now they're just like everybody else. But they refuse to pull the trigger on trades. They refuse to utilize prospects as currency. And they refuse to use currency as currency as well. Bastards. Get after him, MLB! Make it happen! I wish they had subpoena power. And I do wonder what penalties can be levied out against the Pirates. And I wonder if the penalties that are levied out, if they do find the Pirates to be doing exactly what we know the Pirates are doing, if that could possibly force the hand of a sale. Now, that's probably wishful thinking, but hey, fingers and toes all crossed. Up next, we discuss with Tim Benz, the official vampire of the Crowley Show. He writes for the Trib. It is the Crowley Show on ESPN.
The Penguins are playing well. MLB's coming after the Buckos. There's not really a third one, but things are going okay now in Pittsburgh after a terrible week last week. Joining me now to discuss our friend Tim Benz from TribLive.com, Steelers Nation Radio, Steelers Radio Network. Tim, what's up, man? What was that? That wasn't Greta Van Fleet. It wasn't my vampire music. What, I don't get an intro just because I'm coming on earlier in the show? I think because Joe is starting with the DV morning show next week, he's getting a little complacent. Oh, has that been announced? Is that official? I can start I can start gooping with him about that on the air. I wasn't sure if that was being kept under wraps or what. No, that's a thing. I don't think it's okay. I don't think that Joe's the guy. I well I, let me rephrase that. I think Joe's the guy, but he's the interim guy first. He's gotta earn his ability to replace the great Randy Slack. Okay, so Slack goes elsewhere. That means that Joe has been promoted from the AHL to the NHL. Who do you get from Wheeling now? Who is the new Joe? Has that been determined yet? It is Tom. That's adequate. Tom's good. Uh, Tom's also a degenerate gambler, so we can have some fun with that. Tom- yeah, I'm aware of that. I-, I came to realize that during the football season. Yes, he's obsessed. I don't think he makes a lot of money, but we'll have fun with it nonetheless. I don't think he bets a lot. I think he bets often, but not a lot. Like, I think he bets about 10 bucks a game. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, he's a single sitter is what he is. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, what's he making if he's producing your show, right? I mean, he can't afford more than 10 bucks a bet, right? Well, no, because each bet would then be more than he probably makes in an hour, and we can't have that. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think of it in those terms literally. I was just speaking globally, as Mike Domlin likes to say. But, yes, you want to drill down to brass tacks, you're probably right about that. Tim, the Pirates getting investigated by Major League Baseball, it's because the union's pissed, yes? Because the money should be going into the hands of the players, and instead it's going into the pockets of jackass Bob Nutting? Right, exactly. Uh, the fans want the Pirates to spend more on players, and the players sure as hell want one more team that's willing to spend a lot of money on players, particularly their own guys, because oftentimes your own guys you're willing to overpay to keep because you want to avoid the PR disaster that the Pirates are going through. But they'll take the PR disaster if it means saving money. Now, I was listening to you before break and kind of struck me because I think you're right on this. We should wonder aloud what exactly is the punishment for not spending on players with the revenue-sharing money that you're giving. Do they give them financial fines of some sort? Because if they do... We all know what's going to happen there, right? Well, couldn't get that free agent. Couldn't keep that guy because we got fined by Major League Baseball. And look at how much that cost. So uh, it'll be a vicious circle, as we all know, a vicious cycle, as we all know, with Bob Nutting. Yeah, and I would imagine that even though in my wildest dreams I would like this to be the case, that Major League Baseball, whatever they impose upon the Pirates, is not going to be enough to get Bob Nutting to walk away. No, absolutely not. He's just going to need to get blown away with an offer to sell the team, and he seems to have no interest in doing so. And how do you make someone sell a team, particularly when it's turning a profit? Um, you know, this is just not a typical business setup. Nothing in pro sports really is. There's a belief that from the fan base, all businesses have to be run to cater to them, but they don't. And, you know, save me the whole, oh, well, the stadium was built with public money thing. You know, as the mayor said on your show, They looked into it, and the deal that they entered into has nothing to do with performance. So we have to just suck on it. Sorry. That's the way it it is. Tim, what do you make of Milwaukee saying, hey, we were pretty good last year. Let's actually be really good this year. Let's give it a shot because we have not seen that done in Pittsburgh. 
yeah, novel concept. Uh, you know, mid, mid to small market team, just like the Pirates are, and uh, it's one of these latest, greatest examples. It's one less example that Neil Huntington can point to in terms of another team that's not spending as much as they are. Now, it'll be another example, though, if they don't win the World Series, where Huntington <laughs> will say, well, look at Milwaukee. They spent a lot of money, and they didn't win, so how are they feeling now? Um, you know, you said that about the Royals over and over again, but show me a Royals fan who's less happy than a Pirates fan right now. You can't find one. No, and the Pirates will always try, as you've said, Tim, to twist anything in their favor. They think they're good at that. I suppose they are because people still go to the ballpark, but part of that's because they sell baseball and people like baseball. Uh, but it's all about... They sell the park is what they sell. And that, right. Uh, all yeah, you, may- you know, and I, I saw, I think it was Kevin Gorman from the Trib who had a column that said that Bob Dunning is now the face of the franchise. Oof. Uh, show me a different face then, but he kind of is. I mean, for a while, the park was the face of the franchise. Then Kutch became the face of the franchise. And now uh, I think Nutting kind of is in the sense that that's all we think about when we think of the team is what they're not doing ownership-wise. But um, in order to be a positive face of the franchise, it's going to have to be the park again and you know just come out five or six nights a year and have a good time, that sort of thing. It's going to be a long summer. Tim Benz joining me here on the Crowley Show. He writes for the Trib, ESPN Pittsburgh. He hops on the DVE Morning Show all the time, Steelers Nation Radio. He's all over the damn place. Uh, Tim, I did want to talk to you about the Penguins a little bit because they have certainly started to round into form. Uh, no coincidence to me that Sidney Crosby's now shooting up the charts. Uh, Evgeny Malkin shooting up the charts. Phil Kessel's really been there all year long, but now everyone kind of seems to be in sync. Last night they were rolling four lines. I heard somebody say that it's because they scored so much that they were able to roll the four lines, but I would contend that they scored so much because they're able to roll the four lines. Do we finally have some stability now with the Penguins? Uh, that might be a stretch until they get themselves a legitimate third line center. I still don't, I still think they will in a moment of panic, and you're going to have one, maybe even not a moment of panic, but a moment of need in a seven game playoff series. They'll still default to taking Kessel and putting him on one of the top two lines, particularly with Malkin, since he and Sid just can't seem to play together unless it's on the power play. They will do that unless they have a third line center that he can meld with, and we're getting kind of late in the season that to happen so I think they're in a better spot I think the cream is starting to rise Uh, it's no stunner like you said that this is all coinciding with the star players playing better I mean Mike Pursuit and I see this I've seen this for the last couple weeks with Robert Morris too the same top four or five guys who score scoring more often they're playing better same thing uh, in the NHL with with the Pittsburgh Penguins that's how it goes when star players don't score and the team is struggling we try to look at other reasons why they're not winning because we hate to blame the stars but when you look at it, when they start to win, the stars are contributing. You say, well, it's because of the stars. Uh, it should be both ways more often, but let's just ride it out right now with the star players playing well. On radio, you're allowed to do the hypothetical thing, so we do all the time. I think the Penguins are making the playoffs, and then looking at the potential matchup in the first round, I think they've got a good shot to make some noise if they get in again, Tim. I, I acknowledge that they do still have some flaws, but my God, the rest of the East aside maybe from Tampa, and I think Boston's pretty good, too. They've got some flaws. Yeah, well, what if they get in as, like, the last wild card and they go up against Tampa? I don't or, think that that's going to be the case, but that would that to me, that would, be the, that would be the case that I would pick the Penguins to lose in the first round. But 
if it's anybody from the Metro that they wind up playing in round number one, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I just want to see them make a noble defense of the Cup. Um, that means making the playoffs. That probably means winning a round. Uh, they had a great defense of the Cup last year, obviously, and winning it for a second time. And, you know, I've heard this conversation bandied about quite a bit this year. Like, what's enough? And you feel guilty if you say you want that they've got to win a round or two. Well, I don't know about that. I don't feel guilty about saying that. They, you know, for as hard as it is to win the cup twice in a row and come back and do it again, like I'm not going to hate them if they don't win a round. I'm not going to hate them if they fail to win the cup. I won't even hate them if they don't make the playoffs. But they should. You know, they, they still, for as tired as they might be, and as unlikely as it is that you're going to win the Stanley Cup three times in a row, they still have Kessel, Sid, Gino, Latang, Matt Murray, Olimata. They still have a really good team. So I don't think it's putting too much pressure on them, as some people want to make it sound, by saying, go out there and win around. And they're still good enough, right? Damn right. Uh, Tim Ben's joining me here on the Crowley Show. What'd you make of Mike Sullivan's verbiage last night when discussing Ian Cole? That he was forced into the lineup. I thought Cole played well, and I understand that there's something going on there, but to me, Cole's better than Hunwick, and to say he's forced into the lineup makes me really think about the rift that's going on there or uh, the potential to move Ian Cole. Yeah, he's better than Hunwick. He should be playing. That's what I think. I mean, I I, I think part of this is uh, part of the reason maybe the personality rub has gotten as bad as it has between these two is because Hunwick was brought in and uh, I think they're trying to justify the signing. Uh, I, I didn't think it was that great of a signing in the first place. I didn't like any of the moves this offseason. I said as much earlier, and I was castigated by Penguin fans. Oh, can you question Jim Rutherford? What's he ever done to make you question him? Well, um, Anthony Emmy stinks, and Matt Hunwick isn't better than Ian Cole. And, they also uh, played you know, with five defensemen <laughs> for the, yeah, at right, the end of right, his first exactly. year. But, but we forget about those days. None of that mattered until they won the Cup, right? It's kind of like old way of thinking of Penguins. Nothing mattered before Mario. Um but, you know, I, I just I, I don't get it either, Adam. I, I think he's, he's not the greatest defenseman in the world. Um, you know, this whole thing about does he talk to the press too much? If he does, I can't remember anything he said that's inflammatory. You know, I've heard some people say it's not just about talking to the press too much, that he talks back to Sullivan, uh, you know, either on the bench or in meetings or something to that effect, and maybe that's playing into it. But it's obviously it can't be hockey-related to see some of the guys that have played in front of him this year. Uh, he's better than, than that, and he's, he's at least – this is sort of like the James Harrison thing. Uh, with Chicolo and Moats. Uh, I don't know if he's as good as we want to think that he is, but I know this. He's better than some of the guys who have been playing in front of him. Same sort of thing. Tim, are you a believer in Dominic Simone? Nah, not really. <laughs> I mean, I think he's useful. Uh, this whole, you know, let's get a bump from the Wilkes-Barre guy thing, or guys that we've seen this thing over and over again in the playoffs. Maybe he and D are the answers there, but... Um, you know, I, I think if they have to ride him or hope to ride him the same way that they did Jake Gensel or, you know, Brian Rust or Connor Sheary, that might be wishful thinking. Tim, how would your breasts look on Channel 11? Um, I'm barely in A cup and I'm on Channel 2. So I, I don't know if I really need to answer that, do I? I heard the Channel 2 adds one extra cup size. When I filled out my application to be on the sports showdown? Yes. Did you have to promise a threesome to get on there? Yeah, with Pomp and John Burnett, and I did it, and I enjoyed it. Damn right you did. <laughs> what do you make of all that? Because I, I thought that no legit journalistic publication would have published that story. Uh, I, I think Deadspin did it 
because they're dead spin. And I didn't find anything there more than it seems like DK's not a good boss. And the other stuff was flimsy with hearsay and zero proof. I'm stunned that they did it without the text. Right. But I, I didn't think they would run it unless they had the text. And I didn't realize that the texts were missing. I mean, I don't know. Have you talked about this a lot in your show? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, all right, because, I mean, I, I've, I've stayed out of the fray as much as possible because I just I want to stay out of the fray. This is the first time in my life I've showed maturity, Adam, when it comes to something like this. Now you're sucking me in. Well, and here's, uh, and here's the thing. I mean, you work there, so I'm not going to ask you to, to disparage anyone. I, the no, question no, for no me. No one offered me a threesome with anybody. Can I just say that straight up? You can. Uh, you know, I thought if you and Dale were there at the same time, that might not have even had to have been offered. It might have just happened. Well, I think that would turn into an argument between Dale and I as to who would be the power bottom, don't you? <laughs> Tim Ben joining me here on the Crowley Show. <laughs> Hello, I'm... is anyone there? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer your question. So wait, 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 what was your question? It, well, oh, it's, what, it's more about the... Why more... do they do it, right? So I, yeah, I spent, I spent more time talking about the journalism side of it. Because that, to me, was flimsy. And obviously, if those things are true, uh, if that was beyond hearsay, I mean, if it actually happened, that's awful. But there's no proof. So I I don't know how you can go to print with that unless you're freaking deadspin. Well, yeah, the way I – what I was going to say before I got off the tangent and you let me do it. Bad host. Bad host. Go, go, go. Um, Get after it. What I was about to say was (laughs) we all knew this was coming for like six weeks, right? Like anybody in in the sports – business in Pittsburgh knew this was coming like back in early December, right? So this whole time I thought, well, they got these texts. I heard about these texts. There's these texts. You know, they've got screenshots. I was like, oh, well, then that's going to be a problem. And for all this time, time keeps going by, keeps going by, and nothing comes out. And I'm thinking, they're probably not going to run this. And then, you know, two of the people involved launched their own thing on that medium outlet. And then when the Deadspin story comes out, they don't have to text them thinking, They've opened themselves up to potentially a lawsuit, I would think, and they don't even have anything beyond he said, she said anymore for an outlet, which outside of Pittsburgh, no one really cares about. So I just, I was really surprised they ended up running it with what they had, and I'll I'll leave it at that. Check your inbox whenever you get off the air, okay? Nice. Why? Who who sent me something? Me. Was it a proposal for a threesome with somebody? Use your imagination. <laughs> Who else is, I can hear somebody in the studio. Is that the other person involved? <laughs> yeah, Tim. No, I'm yeah. out. I am out. Nice. Come on, Tim. I'm a good-looking guy. I mean, there's got to be at least one female involved, and then it's just, you know, then it's Hi, just Tim. something you find at Pornhub in the middle of the night. That's all. I can wear a wig. Uh, not, not, not close enough. There's two letters missing between D and K. Never mind. Tim, thank you so much for the time, buddy. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for thanks for allowing me to swim in this cesspool after I've done such a good job of avoiding it for literally two months. I just stayed out of it. I thought I'm free and clear. You didn't even ask me about the XFL, my column from the trip, which, by the way, I found quite interesting. It's, a, it's an illuminating read. You should read it. What do you think about the XFL coming back? <laughs> I think it's a stupid idea. But I do think there's some good ideas in there. It is funny, though, that McMahon is saying, well, we'll make the game shorter. We won't have halftime. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, the NFL should look at that. Here's the problem. There's nothing sponsorable in the XFL that they'd lose money on if they got rid of halftime and more commercials. People want to sponsor the NFL. That's the difference.
I kind of look at it this way, Tim, that the people who are going to Vince McMahon, they, they can see that the NFL is starting to suffer here and they're going to try to capitalize on it as best they can, which is why they're kind of going in the opposite direction of what the NFL's doing. I mean, stand during the National Anthem, all that nonsense. Well, I, I thought he was going to get out there with a made Amer- Make America Great Again hat on. I mean, that's how close he came. And uh, I ended the column basically by saying, stop with the whole references to his 2001, this is the XFL. He should have just gotten out there and said, this is not the NFL. Because on the one hand, he's like, Catering and pandering to the shot in the beer, Al Bundy, Polk High on the bar stool, reminiscing back to the good old days, the way football used to be. Like he's trying to get that crowd, and then he's talking about how much safer he's going to make the game. He's just anything the NFL is perceived to not be doing right, he wants to do. And some of these things are diametrically opposed. So I'm dying to see how he, how he pulls it off. I mean, the whole, the whole thing about the XFL that actually worked the first time was the renegade aspect of it. And don't you oh, lose that my, if, you're my, trying, my. If, if you're trying to go to the middle America? I think so. Like the he hate me stuff? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, that was my take on it. It was a good column. What are you going to write this weekend now? Because there's no Steelers. The Penguins aren't playing. What do you got for me? What do you got for me on Monday? What do you got for me next week? I think we're doing a Tomlin piece next week, and I don't know what else. Um, I, I will not be writing about the, the Deadspin piece. <laughs> Goodbye, Tim. Bye, Adam. Joe was the third voice that popped in on that conversation, by the way. Well, fourth voice. I didn't have any. Plausible deniability. Coming up next, and I promise to try to make this interesting. It's a take on it the, is. It's a take on the Pro Bowl you probably haven't heard before. You, you probably have, but you like my show, so just stick around. It is the Crowley Show. Hello, is anyone there? (laughs) Power bottom. I'm losing Joe and Slack. What the bleep? Coming up in 15 minutes, Matt Williamson. Talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, which we've largely ignored this week, and about Randy Feetner. What can be done? How can the Steelers' offense be better? That Tim Benz laughing in the background? If you go into bits, Joe, and you search Benz, there's a great old X Morning Show Tim Benz laugh drop, and it's fabulous. <laughs> that one's good because you got Brian shortling in the background as well as me. Here's the thing if Deadspin ever wants to come after me, they've got it all on audio, baby. Like, I petition, I proposition, pardon me, uh, a threesome with Benz and his choice, Brian or Joe. Because four is too many. It's 2017, man. Like, we can have fun. My wife would probably mind, though. And that's something I hadn't really thought about until just this moment. We're also going to talk to him about the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that's right. But maybe not. We'll see if you're interested. Has anybody... I'm sure they have, but has anybody considered how stupid it is in a sport where people's heads are bashing off of each other to play an exhibition game? (laughs) Like, what the hell are we doing? Why are we playing a Pro Bowl? No one's going to watch the damn thing. I'm sure the league doesn't want to pay out the Pro Bowl salaries, although, or the bonuses, I suppose, although the players would want those. But not every player gets in. So the union, I'm sure, would have a nice fight on their hands if they really wanted to, 
It just doesn't make any sense to me to play a game in a sport this violent where, yeah, you can't run hybrid defenses. Guys aren't going to try to light each other up, but offensive linemen are playing against defensive linemen, and their heads are going to bash a hundred times. Who was the kicker who got killed by Sean Taylor? It was Mormon or something, right? (laughs) Why? No one cares. At least they're not doing it in Honolulu anymore. Because that was always pitiful. They'd pan out, and you'd just see nobody there. Nobody. Nobody's at the game. Nobody's watching on TV, and players are killing themselves, or at least ruining their quality of life. We know what concussions do. We know what consistent head trauma can do, and yet they're playing the Pro Bowl. It's insane to me. Ready for another Pro Bowl take? I can give you another one. I I came to the show today with Pro Bowl takes, baby. We like to have fun on Fridays. I miss that. I love being in studio on Fridays because I can get belligerently drunk and someone can drive me home. That's not really that's not really gonna happen. But on Fridays we used to be loosey goosey. But when I'm in public, I don't really feel like being that guy, right? I mean, I kind of was anyhow. I got my chest waxed. At the Carson City Salute. But I brought Pro Bowl topics. Again, Matt Williams is coming up in 13 minutes. He'll provide actual information. The Steelers sent nine dudes to the Pro Bowl. Nine. As in one less than ten. One more than eight. Two less than 11. (laughs) You couldn't do the math. That was bad. (laughs) That was real bad. That was bad. Oh, no. And the Steelers' social media account has been tweeting left and right about how great it is that the Steelers are all in the Pro Bowl. And congratulations to the players who did make the Pro Bowl. But I wouldn't be all that happy about it publicly, <laughs> would you? There's nine players in a picture on Steelers on the Steelers' Twitter account. All the players who are there, Rosie Nicks on down, right? And it says hashtag squad goals. No! Hashtag squad goals are for zero people to play in the Pro Bowl. The th- what this did to me is it pissed me off. And it made me register just how disappointing this, se- this season really was for the Steelers. There can't be a team that has more than nine Pro Bowlers. And it's Friday, so I didn't do the homework. But there's there can't be, right? Brian's looking it up right now. We got the crack staff here on it. The Steelers send nine dudes. They've got, in my opinion, the most talented roster in the entire National Football League. And yet they lost to the Jacksonville Jags for the second time. And they lost before the game that they should have lost it. Could they beat New England? Yeah. Would they have? I don't know. They lost to Jacksonville. So, to me, it just underscores that much more how dis-a-freaking-pointing this season was. Nine Pro Bowlers, and you can't win a round? Nine Pro Bowlers and you can't advance? That's a travesty. Blame whoever you want. And we certainly have on this show, from Tomlin on down. But somebody deserved to be blamed. And I guess Todd Haley was the sacrificial lamb, yes? Nine Pro Bowlers. And you lose in the first round. Nine Pro Bowlers and you lose to Chicago. Nine Pro Bowlers... You get blown out by the Jags. Nine Pro Bowlers, and you can't beat 
a good team at home whenever it's been the focus of your entire season. Of course, I'm talking about the New England Patriots. Man, I've seen some people, different media members, the Steelers themselves. I think Mike Tomlin even said it was a bad end to it. Good season. It's not a good season. It is. No, it was not, Mike. It was a bad season. You didn't get the number one seed, which was the stated goal all year long, yes? Didn't get it that. Is. Didn't beat New England. That's the elephant in the room. It's probably going to be the first of two. Well, you lose the first one, you don't get to see the second one. So it was the first of one, and you lost that one. Man, the goal all offseason long seemed to me to be beat freaking New England. And I'm okay with that thought process. Because if you're good enough to beat New England, you're good enough to beat anyone, right? My opinion. But they didn't do that. Sure, they were 13-3, and three, but because they didn't do that, they got the number two seed in the AFC, which means that the third best team or second best team wound up coming to Pittsburgh to play in the game. All the while, they've got nine pro bowlers, but that's squad goals, right? Hashtag squad goals. Yeah, we're going to the pro bowl. Woo! Yeah, Orlando! That's what I think about that. Incredibly disappointing. Disaster. And every post that they put up, that they use to try to keep people engaged and interested in the Pittsburgh Steelers, only makes me pissed off. And I know the people who run the Steelers social. I know the people who work in the Steelers organization. They're all great people. They're all doing their job. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at the Steelers themselves. I'm mad at the players. I'm mad at the coaching staff. Man, that's still raw, yo. Jeez. It's raw. It's still raw. Hell, are we are we two weeks out now almost that they lost? It I'm is. still pissed. Because it's still incomprehensible to me that that team could lose to the team that they lost to, quarterback by the guy that quarterbacks that team. Blake freaking Bortles comes in here, and you give up 38 offensive points. What Eight the bleep? And Mike Tomlin, I, I said blame him on down, but in Ed Bouchette's column, or story, pardon me. Oh, I hate when people do that. In Ed Bouchette's story, where he ratted out Le'Veon Bell, he also wrote that Mike Thomas has been calling a lot of the plays this year for the defense. So, question Mike Thomas' decision-making throughout the game, but also, that defense got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse as the year went on, and not just because Ryan Shazier went out. I mean, that was a huge deal, but that's not the only reason. Oh, my God! Mike Tomlin's defense got worse and worse and worse and worse, and he had more and more and more and more control. They had nine freaking Pro Bowlers. Daryl tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. You're right. The Steelers' season did not feel like 13-3. and Even the games they won, it didn't feel like they won. I mean, I had callers every week telling me they sucked, and I poo-pooed it at the time. I said, look, they used to lose to the bad teams, right? Well, now they're beating them. But the bad thing is, their bad habits were still there. Their talent just bailed them out. And I suppose that's where the nine pro bowlers come in. The talent won, but the team didn't. And now Todd Haley's gone. And Slack's gone. Maybe we should go to Tequila Cowboy tonight. We're going out for Slack's final goodbye, his final hurrah, his last hurrah. Last time I went out with Slack, and he'll be with us in an hour here on the Crowley Show. I almost got in a fight with a bouncer, a la Joey Porter. Because Slack had a couple of black friends who were there, and they would not let 
his friends in the club. Now, it's because they were wearing sweatpants. But the bouncer said, don't, you can't go in. Those sweatpants are not allowed in. And I was plastered. And I was screaming, it's 2017. You're not going to let them in? What the hell's wrong with you? It's 2017. I always fight for the rights of every man. Social justice warrior Corrali. Damn right. That's what I'm known as around these hallways, by the way. Yeah, and you're the people's champ. I am. Yeah. Looking out for the people. Featherweight, though. Yeah. He's a ridiculous big competitor. Thing, big, big things come in small packages. That's what my wife says. Literally. Coming up next, Matt Williamson to talk about everything other than the Pro Bowl, because I think you got your fill of it there. We got Rob Rossi to talk about threesomes at 520. It's Crowley Show.